Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink with me all the way. Well, she used to be in a basement, but she's been released. Uh, she is loose with her wine, the blonde bombshell herself, and Kerrigan. Yeah, they let me out every once in a while. Yeah. Do they really? Going up to so, the upper level. Yeah, I know. That must, <laughs> must be a big thrill for you, huh? Well, I'll tell you what, it's a lot warmer. <laughs> yeah, it is a cold day in New England, anyways. Well, it's so any, in the basement. Yeah, okay. So wine helps cure that you yes, know that yes it does yes there you go yes so anyways i i hear you may put that uh, make a studio down there right so yeah <laughs> maybe yeah we'll see built-in wine cooler you know foot massage oh you don't yeah. want to cool it yeah foot massage would be nice oh wine cellars are cool that's what it, whatever anyway well, you don't want your red wine to be cool you want your white wine to be cool oh whatever whatever yeah. All I remember All I remember is the haunted wine cellar at at uh the Sprague Mansion when I locked uh Jim Stonier and Molly Gibson in there and and scared the crap out of them on the radio. Why did you do that? It's in my book, Google Book, Ghost Chronicles, read it, you'll find out. Oh, all right. Okay. Fine. Yes. Yep. Another point. Anyway. Okay, fine. All right, so we do have a guest on the show, so enough with the chit chat. Let's get down to some business. All right. So uh, you're listening right here on uh, TojiNet and Pararex Radio. And, of course, probably the bulk of you will be listening on iTunes or whatever other one of those servers that have our show. Uh, joining us now is a – I don't – oh, he's a Canadian. I don't know. can't tell if he's Canadian or he's uh, – He's American. Canadian. He's Canadian. He's born in Canada. Well, so why did you ask him when he comes on? Do I have to say A a lot or – or just can we just ask him questions? <laughs> Anyways, joining us without further ado is filmmaker D McCulley. D, you there? I am here. How are you guys? Good. Hi, D. Doing well. Good, so, good. am I stereotyping you? Am I? Do you drop a lot of A's in there? <laughs> What's that? You know, if, if, don't you the McKenzie brothers? We always get those down here in the states. Oh, the, you yeah, know, they're always. Yeah. Dave yeah, and you know. Bob and Doug or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, you, you young and don't remember all those cool shows. Anyway, so <laughs> you were born in Canada, so uh, you have uh, Canadian, uh, what is that, nationalization, I guess, or whatever it is. And you are also a pretty accomplished filmmaker. I've been reading your bio and uh, it's, uh, you know, it's you've got a few credits there on I am. DV, whatever that is, and uh, you got quite a few credits and worked on a lot of shows and come up with your own shows. You worked on the A&E Bio channel and a whole bunch of other crap. And uh, 
I've seen some of your films, uh, the footage before the show, and, and they are very good. So I will give you credit for that. And we want to thank you for joining us today. But let's start off at the beginning where it says, while contemplating between a funeral director and film production, how do you go from <laughs> that to that? What, first of all, what drew you to be a funeral director? Um, well, we've had a interested in in that kind of stuff like i uh, i would say i grew up as a um, uh 1980s horror kid kind of thing and uh things like that don't bother me mm-hmm. and um when i was um i was looking for work in thunder bay ontario and uh i was wondering what i should do and what really really catches me kind of thing and i was like well there's funeral director i could check into that Mm-hmm. You know, I could go to college for that. Or there's film production. That's another thing I like, too, because I've always been into horror movies and stuff That's like true. that. Yeah. I went to uh, a Bay Street Film Festival, it was called, back in, I don't know, it was like 2009, something like that. And uh, I walked out of there after seeing El Hilo de Oro by a Spanish director, and that, it really took hold of me. I walked out of there. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. Forget funeral director. I'm going to be a film director. And basically, you know, I make horror every now and then, so I'm still directing the dead. There you go. <laughs> you beat that. That's nice. It, yeah, and, you know, I think film directing and, you know, Ann is a, a, a TV, uh, what are you, Ann? Um, i work in well i work in public access television so nowhere near i would never approach the level but you're involved uh, in it right you're involved in the tv is what i sell right and the new england ghost project of course was founded on uh the first uh paranormal shows way back in the day so what i was trying to get at is we all have worked in in uh film or tv and there is I don't think there was a greater satisfaction than, than seeing your, your finished product when, when it's done. That's true. That's true, especially with all the time and effort you put into something yeah. that you're really passionate about. And mm-hmm. to bring that from your mind into fruition is a great thing. Definitely. I, I would 100% agree with that. I mean, even on the, you know, uh, on the, the level that I'm at, and I mean – Basically, public access, let's face it, there's not a lot of room for creativity. <laughs> um, but, you know, every once in a while, you get to do that project. And it's it's really satisfying to take it from your head and get it on the screen. I totally agree with it. <laughs> right on. And, and a lot of times, you're only as good as the people around you, too, and <laughs> which is kind of important and, and it's difficult especially in public access because most of your people are volunteers anyways yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. but yeah but you know i mean when i when i did ours uh, we, we did it on analog equipment which is absolutely mm-hmm. excruciating yeah <laughs> there's no other way to put it <laughs> so before I mean, that's, my time before my yeah, time that's why i get out I'll of there really, really really quick <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, so let's let's go back to uh, D here. Uh, yes. How did you learn? Uh, did you go to college for filmmaking? No, I didn't actually. After I left the uh, the Bay Street Film Festival, I was I picked up a camera. I remember that I picked up a camera. This is about two thousand nine. It was a 
prosumer camera. And I started working with that. And then I started just studying films, how, you know, the, how shots are put together, um, psychology of the shot and stuff like that, and see the fluid motion of the camera, what they're doing. And I basically took notes and emulated that with everything I do. And I, I did make a lot of mistakes in my first uh first outings and stuff like that, but I got better at it. And you, with, it's like with anything, you get better with practice and I sure have gotten a lot better. And now I'm, you know, uh, people watch my stuff and I'm being um, nominated for the short films that I've done. Nice. That's how you learn. I, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of hands-on. Yeah. Well, some people, there's, uh, I can't remember them all, but there's three ways of learning. One of them is reading. One of them is hands-on. And I think the third is uh, just repetition or something like that. So, yeah, hands-on works for me. Mm -hmm. Right. I agree. Absolutely. So so what got you into the paranormal? Uh, I grew up in a haunted house, basically. And uh, this house is so old that uh, there's been many spirit sightings here over the years, even slippers walking by themselves, physical (laughs) sweet. Yeah. And uh, even, you know, waking up as a child, um, hearing my name being called. And finally, one day I said, what? I answered back. <laughs> and it all stopped for me for hearing whoever was calling my name. It just stopped. But oh, I think, but I think uh, that sort of opened me up to the paranormal by, uh, by acknowledging it. Mm-hmm. And was then, this... like, oh, I'm sorry. oh, go ahead. Was this the... Uh... Was this the the episode of the Paranormal Survivor series you were on? Is that was is that... Uh, that happened in Thunder Bay just as I started becoming a filmmaker? Oh, that okay. was uh, two thousand nine. That one. Okay. And it was a terrible haunting. <laughs> all, right. all right. So so carry on. You you heard your name and and the uh, the things all stopped. And where'd you go from there? Um, I could also, there was, um, when I was a child too, in the eighties, I remember waking up in the morning, I'd hear like lots of people talking, almost like there's a, a party going on, uh, or a bunch of TVs on all at once. And I'd wake up wondering who's here kind of thing, or who's got the TV on. And then I realized all the TVs are off and the voices are gone. Shortly after that, the, uh, was that whoever it was calling my name. That happened later, and uh, I said, what? And that stopped. I've never heard that again. Um, What else? Um, uh, What else? The phone always ringing in the middle of the night. Like, this was like multiple times, like a week. And uh, you'd never get to the phone in time. One time I did. And, of course, uh, by that time we had the uh, touchtone phone where it shows who's calling. But you need at least two rings to get to it to see who's calling. Right. So I never got to see. All there was was a dial tone. <laughs> wow. That's but that crazy. was like multiple times a night. Like, can you imagine what kind of energy that takes just to produce? Maybe it's only five volts or whatever. But still, that's energy. And that's it's possible ghost energy that's making that happen multiple times a week. Wow. Hmm. That is creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the episode I I saw one of your episodes was on uh, Bigfoot or Sasquatch. Uh, how did you? I mean, what what drove you to that particular subject? Uh, that one there, um, 
I'm a paranormal investigator since 1993, and finally in about 2012, actually 2009, they started producing the Thunder Bay Paranormal Society. Their shows, they have three episodes of that. After they disbanded, I started Dark History because I loved it so much. So I kept Good name, going, by oh, the way. Man. Yeah. And uh, started getting messages about Sasquatch. Like, so I thought that was kind of cool. And when I did, um, what was it? Dark History Episode 5. I was doing a ghost, uh, a ghost tunnel episode. And uh, as I got out of the car, my first time being here, I got out of the car, walked down towards this tunnel. It's a thousand foot tunnel blasted through the rocks, a very high tunnel, at least maybe. 30 to 40 feet tall mm. and uh as i'm walking down there with my camera you know it was a cold day but everything was clearing up the fog was gone um the rain had stopped and everything like that this is september 2012 i believe that was mm. uh and i'm walking towards the tunnel and i'm looking down and then i see something huge really huge huh. it's tall and white and it's walking from right to left and i'm trying to get my camera open to take a picture finally i took the photo but i just missed it by a second what that was i believe was a sasquatch or a tall forest creature i had not known previously that sasquatches could be white i didn't know that oh i talked to one of the native guys up here and that's i thought why was this thing white i was so curious (laughs) he says I believe it was changing its coat for the season. I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense, like a real animal. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. And I spent the whole day there, too, do, doing the uh, B-roll for uh, Dark History 5. And um, I had a lot of time to look at the tunnel. And some people can't believe this, but for what my estimate, uh, based on the size of the tunnel, what I saw, this thing was 17 feet tall. What? unbelievable no way oh my god yeah and there's one guy on uh when they mentioned that or they 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 played the uh documentary on um sasquatch um one of those websites they had a link to it Mm -hmm. out of all the people saying oh no such thing they weren't there but (laughs) of all the people one guy stood up and he said yes i'd seen the same thing uh white and he said it was about the length of two minivans what's that 17 oh, feet my god <laughs> that's amazing mm-hmm. wow. I, yeah i had never heard of that um i mean how many people actually see a sasquatch but i mean i would never it would never occur to me that it would be white but yeah. well is would they it uh what's the one that's in the mountains yeti that's yet. and that's i suppose that's probably white actually it is it's black it's black? Yes. I always heard they're white. How do you know? No, everybody believes that. But if you listen to the, the accounts of people who have actually witnessed this, they'll tell you they're black. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's you would, you'd think they'd be white to blend into their surroundings. That's what I thought, too. But right. there are other animals that that are in the, uh, the mountains as well that aren't white as well. Uh, huh. But, uh, yeah, that's that's – uh, I always thought they were white until I uh, was watching this documentary where they were interviewing like the uh, Sher- Sherpas and mm-hmm. and uh, some of the uh, uh, what the heck are they up there in Nepal? Anyways, uh, and they were saying evidence. And if you look at like 
uh, any supposedly evidence that people have collected, you'll see that they're all, there's no like white hair. It's all brown or dark black hair. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Intriguing. Yeah. Yes. Okay. But I mean, we, we don't, I mean, I'm sure there could be white ones as well. I'm not saying there isn't, especially right. since I've never seen one, <laughs> either black true. or white. <laughs> <laughs> Especially not 17 feet tall, anyways. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> now it's uh, the first time I've ever seen anything like that. And, you know, yeah. to describe that, that size. And, of course, a lot of people don't believe it, but I don't really care. I'm out there every day talking about this stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have to prove it to anyone because I know what I saw. Right. I give so, you credit for that, G, because a lot of people do that. They they that's so important to them that they get the credibility. But I soon learned that you know if people aren't going to believe you, they ain't going to believe you, no matter what you do. So it's just to go out there and share your experiences, and and those who have had similar experiences uh, will believe you, and those who don't want to believe aren't going to believe. That's right, and that's the thing too is to finish off the question that you asked was uh, after seeing that. Um, Sasquatch or forest creature, whatever it was, and with the stories coming in through Dark History's uh, messaging, um, that became like an idea when I was like, okay, I'm kind of done with ghosts for now. I'm going to do horror stuff. After I was done with the short horror films, that kind of came up, and I was like, I think that's what I'm going to do is a Sasquatch documentary next, and that's how it happened. It's pretty, yeah, and it's pretty intriguing. I mean, so you have a lot of interviews. Uh, yeah, that's the good thing I found impressive about it was the interviews. Yeah. yeah. So now you're interviewing people. So it's on Lake Superior. Are you on which side are you? Are you on the uh, U.S. side or the Canadian side or both? I am right at the top of Lake Superior, basically, uh, mm-hmm. what they call the Lakehead or uh, Thunder Bay or Nipigon area. That's where all, all these things are being seen. And I still get messages today. I still get people walking up to me on the street. Hey, Dean. It's like, hi, do I know <laughs> you? No, but uh, I know you. And I got a story is, oh, awesome. Can I write this down and stuff? I still get these. Oh, uh, wow. stories. Cool. So it's it's almost like a continual funnel. <laughs> over to me where I kick some kind of door down and people are telling me this stuff and it, you know it, it kind of kicks the door down for uh, a part three absolutely yeah. wow that's that's great though i mean you know to have that get it's it's like a you know i i was gonna say it, it's a gift it's not always a gift because <laughs> you know you just like to go to the supermarket and be left alone but um I mean, it kind of falls into your lap. You know what I That's mean? Right. Yeah. It does. And I try to be as accommodating as possible, too. Like, I'll stop what I'm doing and, you know, talk to the people and stuff like that and uh, make sure I can get their stories that I can, you know, record it and write it down and possibly get back to them If because they're always asking, are you doing a part two? As soon as I finish part one, are you doing part two? As soon as I finish part two, are you doing a part three? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's like having a baby. <laughs> when are you going to have another one? Um, but true, but true. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But yeah, you did have some really great eyewitness accounts, and yeah, I know that's what I was going to ask him. And is is what he thought was the most compelling one that he did he uh, interviewed? Which which witness? Oh wow, uh, the one with uh, I think his name is Jason. His name was Jason, and 
the uh, they're working a plot, uh, you know, like digging up soil samples for the forestry sector. And yeah, the one that threw the uh, giant root over the trees at them and he checked it out and turned out that was, uh, you know, he was looking, he didn't know what he was looking at at first until he realized what it was. It was a Sasquatch trying to hide. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, all the other ones are, are great as well. Like, you know, the tracks and, and the structures in the woods. I'm trying to think of part two, what I've, what, what was on part two. It's been a while since I saw this. Mm-hmm. Jeez, but I know all of them were really good. Even, even the, uh, stories in between, these are like, you know, people coming up to me saying, this is what happened back in, you know, 1980 and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. and little reenactments that I've done for it. Mm-hmm. The, the yeah, one I remember, which was in the part two was the, um, the family that had stopped in the car. Oh, uh, that's great. Because they couldn't find a motel that had vacancies, so they just pulled into a rest stop and was trying to get some sleep. And yeah. they heard all this this animal and the screaming, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was a good one, too. That lady had messaged me a few times about it. I was like, all right, well, I'm going to add this in for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was so a really good When that happened, was the woman – a a child when it happened and an adult as she related to you? Yes, exactly. Ah, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know if it was the mother or, yeah. Yeah. And, the uh, one I, the, the, oh, I'm oh, sorry. sorry. The one I liked, D, was the, the one with the, the guy with all the, uh, the, uh, metal in his face. Yeah, uh, yeah thanks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was good. It talked about when he was a child and stuff. That was kind of cool. Yeah, are you talking about on part two, the first interview? Uh, he had the uh, earrings in his nose and stuff. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. He uh, he's actually one of my friends. Uh, he he helps with uh, shooting the interviews. And, oh yeah, uh, yeah. I saw him on one of your shows, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's on almost everything I do. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He just just lives down the down the street, <laughs> but um, yeah, I I had not heard prior to that of Bigfoot being seen on the Black Surgeon River ever, huh. and after that came out, people started saying, "Hey, I saw something at Black Sturgeon Dam." So I was quite surprised that just this year, just this summer in July, that's what they saw. Like a wow. family was down there at the dam, Black Sturgeon Dam on the river. And um, the, they saw this big black creature come jumping out of the woods into the water mm-hmm. and uh, comes up with a stick in its hand, running on its hind legs, running across the, the, the rocks. <laughs> wow. So, uh, Maybe it was too hot and went for a swim, or maybe it was fishing. I don't know. <laughs> well, they're hairy, you know. It's hot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Like I said, prior to that, I did not know that there was even something there until that interview. Hmm. And sure enough, there's there's more substance to it. Wow. So they, uh, so they think they carry the sticks as like a – a tool or a, a defensive? That's what I was thinking. It could have been uh, like a tool, maybe for spearing fish or something. Mm-hmm. But you've also heard of tree knocks and stuff like that as well. We've had those up here as well. What are those? So, 
uh, tree knocks where they're knocking on trees. Yeah. Making oh. in the woods. Oh, I've never you heard know, of that. When we did uh, the final interview, I believe it was, for Sasquatch 2, there is a section. We were at the very spot where the man saw his white Sasquatch, silver Sasquatch, which was, he said, 17 feet tall. Mm -hmm. Oh, Uh, wow. So that that fits for you. Yeah. Off record, I believe he said that. But uh, as as we did that interview... Uh, we had like the cameras were malfunctioning and stuff, and it was right where he saw it. Hmm. And when, upon playback on that, uh, there is wood knocks happening, which I thought was pretty cool. Hmm. I think so too. Uh, That's very odd. So, so I w- wait a minute. I, I, we, had, you know, I, I went on. I had to find out what was going on with the color of the hair. So I went on, of course, and and did look up this site which is called uh, Sasquatch Chronicles and they put it out there and uh, I found a topic of hair interest and so I set aside the aspects of the color to determine for any in various regions and now we have 24 40 sightings in black 24 60 in brown 354 in gray 239 in white and hey blondie 120 for you <laughs> Thanks. Thanks a lot. So anyway, uh, yeah. That's pretty cool. So um, the blonde color and the white and gray are the most popular of uh, uh, sighting colors. That's pretty interesting. I didn't know that fact. Oh. Hmm. Very odd. Yeah, well, whatever. This is according to the site now. I don't know if it's as good as Wikipedia. Or... <laughs> yeah, who really knows? <laughs> but anyways, that that's that. We are coming up to the break right now, I believe. So uh, we're going to have to hold off before we... Uh... If Oh, by the way, if somebody wants to get a, you know, watch some of your videos, where, where can they go, uh, D? They can find it on YouTube at D. McCauley Dark History Thunderstriker Films Channel. You want to spell that uh, out for real? Because we, we still have 15 seconds anyway. A <laughs> lot <laughs> to spell in 15 seconds. No, no, you get plenty of time. I'm just teasing you. <laughs> Go ahead. Spell it out for them just so they, they get the proper one. Because my uh, colleague could be tricky. Okay, D-E-E-M-C-C-U-L-L-A-Y. Uh, D McCulley. Uh, D-A-R-K-H-I-S-T-O-R-Y. Um, oh, that's good enough. <laughs> we'll put it on our website anyway. Please, Ron. Wow. I know it. I'm like bad. All right. You'll listen to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation right here on Tojina and Perry Rex Radio. Our special guest, D. McCulley. We'll be right back in following messages. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, Get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. Hello, hello, can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the ghost box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Para-X Radio, 
the Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing, although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. Well, mustache, I'm required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. Welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron and Ann and our special guest this evening, Dee McCulley of Dark History and Thunderstriker Films. And now that Ron has made the poor guy try and spell all this out. I killed all that time. Oh, my God. You're terrible. So go to our Ghost Chronicles Next Generation page. The link to his site, dmcaulay.com, is there, and you can find out everything you want to know there. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much there, Ron. I appreciate that one. No problem. No problem. Jeez, Louise. Well, it worked out fine. Yeah, for you. I know. <laughs> anyway, back so, to D. Um, I was listening to uh, the ad that just played, uh-huh. and uh, they mentioned events. Uh, can yeah, I you an event you want to mention? Please do. Okay, we have the Edge of Dread Paranormal Con 2019 happening in Thunder Bay, Ontario, from 12 noon to midnight at the Valhalla Inn in Thunder Bay. So if you're in the Thunder Bay listening area, uh, please come on out. It's going to be a a great time with uh, me, uh, Jerry Ayres, and uh, Alan Yerksa of The Calling. We're going to have more guests than that. There's going to be product demos. There's going to be a lot of discourse on on all things paranormal. So definitely come on out. Is there a, a link? Is there a, a link or a, that people can go to, like, you know, get tickets or, or anything like that? Uh, tickets will be cash at the door. So cash if you want at to... the door. Wow. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so if you want to check out uh, D. McCauley Dark History on Facebook, uh, you'll find all the newest information there, as well as you can find it on uh, com as well in latest news. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Yep. Cool. I see it. It's right on the. It's right on the homepage. Just scroll on down. Edge of Dread. I love that. That's great. <laughs> yeah. I like Doc History. I like Doc History myself. I think that's a wicked cool name. And it's very reasonably priced. And what Doc History? No, the Edge of Dread. Oh. Okay. <laughs> In Thunder Bay, Ontario. If I was up there, I would go. I'm telling you right Road now. Trip. So <laughs> Looks we have good. friends in we have friends in Canada. Yeah, our friend Kat's up there. I don't think is she in Ontario though. I don't know where the hell she is. I don't know where she is. And Lay Lay Lay, uh, what's her name is is up there somewhere. She was a store somewhere. Up there. Well, anyways, back to D. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one of the things I did notice in your in your bio is you mentioned the Matha Walls House. Uh, which is Northern Ontario's most haunted home. So this is, what the heck is this Matha Walls house? 
The Baither Walls house was an older house, a Victorian-style house owned by uh, the the Mather family and then it passed to the Walls family. Now, um, I had heard a couple little things about the, the you know, like um, maybe a deaths happening in the house or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I, I can't guarantee, but uh, I did hear those stories regardless. And then on Shaw TV, they had one of my friends that worked for Shaw TV and he did a short uh, piece on the Mather Walls house. And that's what he had mentioned it being one of, one of the most haunted places in Northern Ontario. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I heard about that, I was like, I got to contact these guys, see if I can get down there. Now they don't just take anybody like Mm -hmm. to let them stay by themselves overnight. So I gave them all my uh, my credentials and all that stuff, and uh, to to uh, my surprise, they let me come stay the entire night by myself. Nice. And, uh, I stayed uh, in the dark, and it was uh, quite the thing. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a lot of um, pretty cool responses. You can see that on Dark History episode two, the Mather Walls house, all the stuff that was caught there. Mm-hmm. Now, have you done any investigating here in the states? Uh, we did a little bit down in Utah when I was uh, working with Chelsea Damali of Haunted Encounters. Oh yeah, yeah. So okay. I did a little bit down there. It was it was more or less uh, people complaining about uh, um, you know hearing knocks in the attic and weird stuff like that. And you know, we've done that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Nothing so, uh, off the charts, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was like really nothing to, you know, go crazy over or anything. But, uh, you know, we help people. So that's that's yeah. a good thing. It's always a good thing to reach out and or for people to reach out to us and uh, offer them help. So what was your, your coolest experience in, in filming some of these uh, locations? Ooh, okay. I, I did the McKenzie in, uh, I think it was last year or the year before. Yeah, I watched that one. I, yeah, I, I stopped doing uh, uh, residential for a while, so I could focus on big venues. And uh, Mackenzie Inn is a big venue, and it's it's known as a haunted spot. All my life, I've heard about it. Mm-hmm. And one of the coolest things was actually getting touched by a ghost in in the uh, in the basement in the dark. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> whatever it was, it felt like it picked up my necklace. And dropped it. Oh, and that was creepy. My hair was standing on end and everything. <laughs> I was like, "Can you do it again?" <laughs> no, nope. you know, just you get it on camera. That was, that was one of the coolest. <laughs> well, at least didn't you, you didn't yell, "Run, dude!" You know, uh, right? <laughs> dude, run! Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so anyway, uh, do you have any projects coming up that uh, we yep. should be looking for? Yeah, I I have all kinds of ideas for projects for documentaries this year, uh, especially if my uh, TV idea falls through. It's uh, it's called uh, T-Bay Haunted, and that's basically um, looking for people who who are willing to tell their their, uh, ghost stories uh, in camera, and I could cut together a quick TV show out of that. Uh, Still looking for people for that. Uh, The deadline is July 1st. Uh, If I don't get anyone, you know, because there's people that have messaged the page, uh, with their stories, but when I get back to them and ask them, would you like to tell it for, you know, on camera? Oh, no, no, that's okay. Oh, no. Yeah. So most likely the idea for that's going to fall through. So mm-hmm. I'll know around July 1st or, yeah, the 1st of July and uh, go from there with uh, coming up with a new idea for a documentary. I, I have a big list of documentaries I want to do. 
So you're creative and your interest is, is, uh, you know, isn't waning, let's put it that way. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. That's the problem with, you know, everybody wants to talk to you, but the minute you whip out a camera and you're like, oh, let's record this, they're like, oh, no, 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 can't do that, can't do that, run away, makes me crazy. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's like in this world of, uh, you know, social media and everything, everything is on camera. And people are like, nope. Really? You? Come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, even on some of the pages, I, I see people posting their ghost stories. And then, then I make mention, hey, I'm doing a TV show. Would you like to be on it? And then, well, what do you mean? Well, I could get you telling your story, what what you just said here. Uh, you could tell your story in great depth and uh, put you on TV and stuff. And they're like, no, no, that's okay. I, I don't really want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but they put it on social media, though. Right. So what's the difference? I, I don't. Because they, they can hide behind it. That, I social guess. Media. Yeah. I guess, you know. We're gonna talk the talk. We gotta walk the walk, okay? No, the social media is that way. You can do whatever you want. You know, you can be different. You know, your your profile. How many profile pictures actually look like the people that uh, <laughs> own the sites? I suppose how that's many, true. how many actually look like Momo in real life. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> Oh God, Momo! Oh, is it real? Is it not uh, the real? The expressed currently are those of D. McCulley and not necessarily those of Ghost Chronicles: <laughs> Next Generation. <laughs> anyway, so, go ahead. D, so you also, uh, so you have a UFO documentary. Oh, that's right. Well. Yeah. You, is it is it done? You're or you're still working on it? Uh, that's done. I, I did yeah. two documentaries last year. I did uh, Sasquatch on Lake Superior 2, followed right up by uh, Northern Lights, a UFO documentary. All these are available on D. McCulley, Dark History, Thunderstrike, and Films on YouTube. And that one's done fairly well. It could be better, but uh, I'm testing the waters for UFOs too. Yeah. But uh, basically what happened was um, – um, I put the feelers out there looking for people who want to tell their, their UFO stories. And uh, I got, got a lot of word back and everything, and it was really great getting, getting um, all these stories together. And uh, actually, you know what? Since 1914, there's been over 200 um, sightings uh, in this area, which mm, is oh, wow. amazing to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so what else can I say about it? It's doing fairly well. I wish it could be doing better. Like I said, I'm just testing the waters for that. And when I when I was reaching out on radio for stories and stuff like that, uh, I did say, though, um, please get all your stories into me because this is the only one I, I want to do. <laughs> right. Yeah, I just wanted to try it, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I've done it. <laughs> what was uh, – does anything stick out in your mind – as you know the most unusual or did you have a lot that were common like a common thread oh well um these are the stats i could say um how would i say okay uh from 1914 to present there are over 200 uh encounters Mm-hmm. 16 incidents with no details, 101 distant sightings, also including multiple viewings on the same night, 
61 encounters at 150 meters or less, one wow. evidentialist burns, three wow. encounters with seeing occupants, three incidents of either missing time or attempted abduction, and one incident of being under direct influence of a being of advanced intelligence. Oh, that's different. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Now, you really said cool. there was one with burns? That's right. Back in 1946 in Beardmore, Ontario, everyone knew this man back then. He was a trapper and line staker, and uh, he's out on his trap line. Uh, this is the year before the Roswell incident, a year before, you know, flying saucer was ever coined as a term. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's out there in the woods, and he came across this silver craft sitting in the woods. Uh-oh. Uh, it was just stationary. It wasn't moving, just sitting there, um, possibly on tripods. I don't know about that. That's my <laughs> pair. <laughs> <laughs> but he walked up to it because there, there didn't seem to be anyone around. He actually touched this craft. Uh -huh. But uh, without any notice, it, it burned his hands and it left, uh, I think, second-degree burns or whatever it was. Uh, oh. You know, they stay. I'm pretty sure it's second-degree. And everyone, he, he got back, he told everyone the story, and uh, there was the proof on his hands. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's unusual. And what? that's the thing about most of these stories is that they're not coming from MUFON. These are stories that have been just held on to in this area because no one wants to go tell them on MUFON. Mm -hmm. hmm. yep. So what's the most recent? Do, do, do you recall which was the most recent? The most recent one, yeah, someone came up to me on the street and they had mentioned they saw a triangular craft over uh, the township of Nipigon up here in Ontario. Mm -hmm. And it was daytime. It was just a black uh triangle hovering in the air then it oh. took off wow sounds like that was I, you know i just i i've never really been into the whole ufo thing and it's i don't know it's it's just not my uh my forte yeah not my cup of tea yeah. but you know we had these paranormal guys come in at the last spirit quest conference and they were really really interesting and like I, I, they're very normal seeming guys and not like crazy. Well, I would expect them to be. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You but, know, that's what uh, they say about ghost hunters. I suppose. <laughs> they're but normal they looking the nicest, guys. It's they not were the what nicest, I expected. Yeah. They were the nicest guys. Um, and they had some really intriguing uh, stories, uh, not stories, but investigations for them that they had looked into and i'm like well maybe i should pay more attention to it because uh, yeah. it kind well, of crosses that line you know well that's the thing too like i was just on uh with dave schrader a couple weeks ago and oh, that's yeah. what we were talking about was um people seeing you know it's enough to see one craft that's enough mm -hmm. but to start seeing multiple crafts all the time that is very weird, but the w way he says is maybe it's because you're more aware of it and looking to the skies. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that is probably one of the uh, uh, one of the reasons why people, when they see a craft, they see them more and more. Mm -hmm. But it's true; they do start to sound incredible after a while. Really, you saw five now. I have. <laughs> really? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Wow. But it happens. 
What have you seen? Oh, uh, Friday, June 13th, 1997, I was working on a house in Nippian, Ontario. I was cleaning out an attic. Uh-huh. Uh, we're, doing, we're basically re- reconstructing the house or renovating whatever. I got to clean out this attic. And uh, I'm taking a breather. It's so hot up there. And I'm breathing in this insulation. I got to get out. Uh, uh. Down the ladder. Uh, I start walking over the grass. And I happen to look up in the sky. There, you know, there's a few clouds in the sky and everything. A few big clouds. But a lot of blue sky as well. That's when I looked up and I saw this big, well, not big. I saw this silver craft over top. Uh quite a ways up but close enough that i could see there was like a venting underneath it as well Mm -hmm. i'm staring at this thing and then it 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 slowly drifts into a cloud and uh you know after that i was like whoa that that is really cool i think that's a ufo it has to be Mm -hmm. five five minutes i stood there scanning the skies and sure enough good thing i was looking because i saw the same craft again this is before i even knew about flight paths Mm-hmm. that took the same flight path as it did before went into the clouds again and i'm and, and it must have been five ten minutes later i saw a jet following basically the same flight flight path as well so that was my first encounter with a seeing a ufo distant encounter ah. uh, another one was uh 2006 uh where was that now 2006 it was hovering over the trees i remember there was that one as well. We were on the highway or something like that, uh, riding back from Thunder Bay and uh, saw this bright white light in the sky. And that was really odd. And I remember talking about it on, on sorry, that was that was uh, 2013, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, on Facebook, I was talking about it. And then I happened to come across a, a posting the next day on one of those other UFO sites or paranormal sites. Someone saw the exact same thing. They took photos too oh. over in Texas, the exact same thing I saw. And they said it was that just the night before. So that was the night that I saw it. Oh my God. Texas. Yeah. The same thing in Texas. So huh. what I, <laughs> what I did was I, I went back, took a photo of the exact area and I did a Photoshop to show people what I saw. Mm-hmm. And I went and posted that on that website. And that person got mad at me saying, I did not Photoshop anything. I was like, no, no, I'm uh, trying to see what I saw. Geez. And they just wouldn't listen and they blocked me. Oh, God. <laughs> Lodi Tick. <laughs> they would have listened. <laughs> right. And then um, what else? Uh, March 2015, coming back from uh, Utah. I was in uh, Sweetgrass, Alberta. And uh, it's nighttime, and I saw this white light again, same thing, like a white light, and it was bright. Bright enough for my stupid little cell phone camera to pick it up. <laughs> Barely, but I picked it up. And it was too high in the sky to be a tower or on a mountain ridge or anything. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that, it took a while to get past it, but uh, I did see something there. Wow. And, um, oh, this is a good one. 2006. I get a call from my parents. They're saying, uh, guess what we saw? Was that there's these weird lights outside the house just across the field mm-hmm. uh, above the pine trees. Is, is it still there? No, no. They disappeared. They faded away. If this happens again, call me, okay? Just call me. I don't care what time it is. I want to see this. <laughs> the next night, I got a call from them. We rushed down here in the car. It's, it's, it's I don't know. It's 
probably January, February, minus 40 up here. That's oh, God. God. God bless you. Come down here. They're standing on the, the deck pointing over there. And sure enough, the, now get this. There's a red and green light up in, up in the sky over the trees. But in the middle of that, down below, is a huge white light. And the way we're looking at it, it's like that's that almost seems like a plane's lights. But what's that white light underneath? And why is this all hovering in midair? And I'm thinking this craft held a plane in midair. It stopped time for those travelers on that plane. That's yeah. what we're thinking. It froze time for them. And we're just watching. And finally, they start to drift apart. It's like, we're going after this. We're going after this. Jump in the car. <laughs> down the highway right and uh we're trying to trying to keep up with what's going on and um the white light the big bright one takes off south we can't go that direction that's into the trees we're gonna end up in the bush after mm -hmm. this thing so we end up following the other uh red and green light and we end up going down the dump road i jump out of the car and i'm i'm standing on the pipeline trying to look at this thing under the light of the moon and i finally catch it that was a plane. Huh. That oh my was, God. But what the hell was that white light? With right. it. Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Uh, the last one I have that I saw was in July 2016. Me and my friend were, uh, were at camp, and it's pretty late. It's, it's a funny thing. We're talking about UFOs. And that's when uh, she looks up in the sky and says, do you see that? And I look up. Sure enough, there's a white light. But it's almost like it's shining its light down on us. Oh. But it's way up there. It, like way up there. And we're looking at it. And then it's almost like um, this light redirects directly in front of it as, it, as it's drifting by. Mm -hmm. So it changes its, uh, its the headlight direction, basically. And uh, we remembered that. And I got back and put that on Facebook and um, uh, for some reason, I had checked YouTube, and guess what happened that same night? It was uh, uh, July 2016. Uh, NASA had cut its live feed because something entered Earth's atmosphere that same night. <laughs> you can find that if you look up NASA cuts feed July 2016. That was the same night I saw this thing. We saw this wow. thing. Wow. That's, oh, that's, that's something there. That's incredible. Incredible. Of course cool. they would cut their live feed. Nope. You can't see this. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want you to see this. Yeah. I, I remember I had an experience. Uh, it was in December when I was going to college and I was coming home and I saw this light in the sky and it was acting strange, not like any plane I had seen before. And so I started chasing after it and I followed for miles, got off one highway, got on another one into back roads and everything. I finally came up on it and just as I did, I realized there was a helicopter on the night. Either it said Merry Xmas. Oh. <laughs> it was a freaking helicopter. Uh, oh, I was so excited. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Damn it. <laughs> You thought you were on to something. I did. I did. Wow. But anyways, yeah, so so you're I guess you're really into UFOs, uh perhaps more than ghosts. Um I'm into everything basically. There's there's yeah. nothing that I put ahead more than others. It's all just interesting to me. So you just like paranormal in general? 
Yeah, yeah, paranormal in general. Yeah, like I'll look for ghosts still in the middle of doing documentaries. I'll stop what I'm doing. I need a break. So I'll <laughs> something else. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I'll always be looking for ghosts uh, in the middle of working on Sasquatch or whatever I'm working on. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, now, it's all in the okay. same category. It's all paranormal. All That's, yeah, I said it's all paranormal, yeah. Yes. So yeah. You, have you, you ever thought of doing anything about the, the ghost ships in the Great Lakes? I mean, I know you have, like, the uh, the Great Lake Triangle out there, and plus there's, there's many other sightings of ghost ships as well. So, uh you ever think about well, doing something like that? I'd heard about it, but uh, things that interest me more are the uh, little people up here. Little people, uh, leprechauns, native native little people. Oh, uh-huh. uh, hairy faced creatures that'll play tricks on you uh, if you don't respect them on the water. Uh, yeah, there's there's stories like that. Oh wow. Uh, I forget the, what they're called now. Like, uh, this is just off the top of my head. I'm trying to think of what they are. That really interests me because it's, it's uh, just as popular to the natives as the Sasquatch stories. Yeah. I'd love to do one on that. And that gets me out on the water as well, right. uh, rather than looking for ghost ships. And then there's also um, uh, serpents, uh, huge oh, water yeah. serpents. Yeah. Yeah, Sherry says they're puck wedgies, but uh, there's another name. That they have up here for them. Yeah, Puckwedgies is our necker. Yeah, we have Puckwedgies yep. in our yep. Bridgewater Triangle. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. As as you know, if you go onto YouTube and look for when Puckwedgies attack, you you get <laughs> myself and Maureen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Nate! Choice. Nate in the chat room is like Northern Puckwedgies. What? <laughs> I <don't> know it. <laughs> But See, anyway. they're all over. They're all over. Yikes. We run oh, out of time. Oh. oh. It's pizza from the dead. Pizza <laughs> from the dead's here, which means we've got to wrap it up. So, oh, anyways, goodness. you've been listening to Ghost Chronicles and our special guest, T. McCulley. Yeah, I was going to call him David for some reason. I have no clue. <laughs> I thought I'd jump in there before you embarrassed yourself. But anyway. Again. 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 Yeah. Right. So, Dee, we want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. And uh, you going to be on any other shows that we know that we could give a little promote to? Um, as far as I know, um, my decks are clear right now for other podcasts. So if anyone else wants to get a hold of me, we can there talk you as long as yeah. you want. You little media whore, you. <laughs> oh, I saw. <laughs> so what? Who is it? <laughs> That's true. By the way. The uh, the the name the term that they use up here are the Mamegoeshi. That's what they call them. Easy for you to say. Oh my goodness, that's a mouthful. Yeah. yeah, but it's easier to say little people. Yes, <laughs> yes, I agree. So check out uh, these website uh, website and YouTube channel. Uh, look for Doc History. There's a lot of videos up there. It's cool stuff. Uh, Dee, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. And, and don't forget his Paracon, which is going to be once again, will you? That'll be March 30th, 2019 in Thunder Bay of the Valhalla in Scandia. One room, 12 noon till 12 midnight. Nice. Oh, there you go. Edge oh, of Dread. Love it. Love it. Thank yeah. you, Dee. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. <laughs> oh, thank you. Love you. 
So I do want to mention, don't forget, uh, tickets for Spirit Quest is now available. The early VIP passes for uh, September 27th, 28th, and 29th. And uh, if you go to anyghostproject.com, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com, you can get your tickets there. There's the tunes, so we got to wrap it up. So till next time, good night, God bless. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.